All right, everybody, we're on the line with Frank Hickman, the former wrestling coach out at Tiger Muay Thai and current wrestling coach at Syndicate MMA, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Helping out at Syndicate MMA. <laughs> How are you doing? How are you doing, Frank? Good? I'm doing well. Can't complain. Good, good, man. Uh, thank you for giving me the time to talk to you. I know I just got to talk to your brother, so I had to get you on. That's how I can't, I can't leave one out. You got to get both of them. You got to get us both in. How was the chat on George? Was it pretty good? It was good. We had a long, it was a long episode. I think I talked to him for a little over an hour. Wow. <laughs> but I'm sure this one will be just as good. I'm just as excited for this one as I was for the last one. So appreciate that big fella. I felt like that was a bit forced, but we'll go with it. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. I've been doing some research on you uh, and your uh, your upbringing and everything. So um, I just kind of wanted to know, like, what is Hickman Bros Wrestling? And, like, how did it come to be? Like, what what is the ideology behind Hickman Bros Wrestling? Um, Hickman Bros Wrestling um, – was kind of established. So I moved to Thailand in May of 2017, but it, we kind of planted the seed in our minds and, and we're thinking about this probably a year and some change before that. You know, we had both lived in Atlanta. We both went to Bloomsburg. My brother graduated, um, ended up going to Atlanta. Uh, he sold cars for Hendrick Automotive and he fought. I was still in college, and then I graduated, and I moved down to Atlanta, Georgia, two weeks after, and I immediately started selling cars at Hendrick as well. And while I was there the first 10 months, my brother left to go do the trial, or excuse me, the trial to Tiger Muay Thai. That was in 2014, and then he stayed. Okay. And then I left... I thought in my mind, well, if he's going to go do his thing, I'm going to go do my thing. So I left, and be, I was the assistant wrestling coach at Appalachian State for a year. And then I ended up going back to the car business for two more years. But during that process, I had about three and a half weeks where I went to Thailand to visit my brother, and I really liked it. And when I was in the car business, everybody knows it's great money, but it's a lot of hours, and it's pretty teeters on the body. And, you know, you're, you're definitely – you're definitely working a lot because that's just how it is. It's a lucrative business. Mm -hmm. So it always was in the back of our mind. Hey man, this is maybe something we can do because there's no wrestling on that side of the world. And, you know, he was already established at, at Tiger. And what happened was, was I believe Roger Huerta was the coach and my brother stayed there. Roger left. George became, George got offered the head coaching job for MMA and he was also running the wrestling and he kind of put like a little bug in my ear and he said, look, I know you got the car business. I know you got money saved. If, if you want to get out, you know, and you want to get back into coaching, he goes, you should, you know, if you move to Thailand, we can really, we can really get this Hickman bros wrestling thing going, you know, Hickman bros wrestling and MMA. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it started. And I played with the idea for about a year and a half, literally, and, uh, you know, I, I remember going home for my mom's birthday, um, and this was in the end of January, and I, I spoke with my dad, who gives great life advice, 
and I'm very fortunate that my parents have supported me in whatever I've done. And I said, I think I'm going to move to Thailand and, you know, coach at Tiger with George and I'm going to do the wrestling while George does the MMA and we'll both help each other. And he goes, well, if that's what you want to do, you know, do it. The car business will always be there. Mm-hmm. So that kind of got the ball rolling. And then put my car on Craigslist. I sold my car. My roommate, my le- my lease was getting ready to end on my, the house I was renting. My best friend who lived with me moved back home. My other two roommates, um, they dated each other. They ended up getting their own place. And it was kind of like good, really good timing. And mm-hmm. I, I knew if it wasn't then, it wasn't going to be any time. So, you know, I gave my, my work a three and a half week heads up that I was leaving. Uh, I told him I'd finish the month of, of March for him. And then did some traveling in April, saw some college buddies, uh, saw some family in Florida. And then after that, you know, May 5th, I arrived in Thailand and I haven't really looked back since, you know, that's kind of how it came. That's how it came about. You know, we just started of, you know, we would FaceTime quite a bit, my brother and I, and, you know, with the time difference and stuff, it was a bit difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got the tiger, you know, I was always fortunate for tiger, you know, nothing good things to say about them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I worked the first probably six months for free, which I didn't mind because I knew I had to prove my value. And then that's when we kind of got everything, you know, rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, it was probably 40 to 45 people in the classes as far as like the pro class in high season, which is great form. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, before pre COVID, you know, my, we would have the wrestling class, the sparring class, damn near 75, 80 people. So, you know, we definitely put some time into it, but there was a lot of people involved that helped. You know, we had great jujitsu coaches, Alex Tariq, MLO. We had a phenomenal kickboxing coach, Rafael Ataman, who fights this weekend. Mm-hmm. He's a, you know, a great friend. We had. Connie Boxing, and we had Pikey Boxing, John Boy, um, who's done a tremendous job, who's now the head boxing coach there. And then, you know, we had the – so we had a lot of moving parts. We had a lot of a lot of people that kind of helped, you know, get it to where it was. So we were fortunate, you know. We had a lot of help and a lot of support. Um, and, and that's kind of how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it just started with an idea, and we just ran with it, I guess you could say. Right. So I know that um, George lives out in Thailand. Are you living in Vegas or do you just go out there for the training camps? Uh, I, I would venture to say you live in Vegas, right? Because you're working with Syndicate? No, I live in Thailand. Okay. Okay. So do you... I've been living in Thailand since I moved over there just over four years, about four and a half years. Okay. I'm, I'm just in Vegas right now because I'm stuck, but not in a bad way. I came over for the fights at the beginning of April when Israel fought Blahovich, okay. Peter Jan fought Sterling. Mm-hmm. The next week was off, and then Brad was supposed to fight Gillespie. That fell through. And then Volk was supposed to fight Ortega. That fell through because of COVID. Right. Um, and then I went home for about 10 days, and while I was home, I was going to go back to Thailand and Volk rang me and asked me if I wanted to be one of his coaches on the show with him mm-hmm. for the Ultimate Fighter. So, of course, I said yes. Um, did that for five and a half, six weeks. 
stayed another two and a half weeks in Vegas and trained Jenna Fabian, who's fighting in two weeks in PFL. Okay. And Selby, who's another one of the coaches from CKB in Auckland. And then got the call from Eugene and flew into Glendale to help Brad and Israel finish up their camp and stayed there for 12 days. Went home for two weeks and then came back. And I'm, you know, I'm back helping uh, my roommate Sasha fights on August 21st. Um, Gion Kim mm-hmm. fights on September 4th. Um, so does Khalil. Volkanovski fights at the end of September. Um, Jenna fights two weeks. My buddy Brendan fights in the PFL semis um, mm-hmm. at the end of the month as well. So I knew I was going to come back and help train some people and you know uh a a guy i know named kevin said you know while you're in town you should see if you know you can help out a syndicate with the wrestling and that so you know the only two gyms really here are syndicate and extreme you know both 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 well-established gym one one's bigger than the other but you know to me as a wrestling coach that doesn't really bother me i'm just i'm in it to kind of spread knowledge and just try to help whoever needs help with wrestling. So it was just, it worked out, you know, I was very fortunate it worked out for me. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. And I'm, I'll probably be here for maybe to the end of the year or something like that. Of, of course I'll go back to Thailand, but it's, it's a bit quiet right now in Thailand and, and, um, not too much going on. And right now, you know, Vegas is the hub. Vegas is the, the fight capital right now of the world, especially with everything going on with the COVID and the Corona. They're having heaps of shows here. There's a lot of bodies coming through, a lot of a lot of athletes using the Performance Institute. So everything I really need is kind of right here. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's actually pretty crazy, like how everything worked out. You know, you went to work on a few camps, and then you're going to be there till the end of the year. You're working with Syndicate and just how everything kind of worked out. Are you kind of, are you almost grateful for how everything has kind of unfolded over the past, you know, six to 12 months? I I am. I'm very, I'm very grateful on how things have unfolded. Like I said, you know, I'm very fortunate um, to be in the position I am and to work with, you know, the teams that I've worked with, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, my brother and I, we've left Tiger, but, you know, Sinekin has been great. They've been, you know, very helpful and very supportive of of what I've done, and they've let me do my thing when it comes to teaching and coaching of the wrestling. And mm-hmm. um, and then of course, City Kickboxing out of Auckland, New Zealand, and Freestyle out of Wollongong, Australia. Vulcan, the boys. I've been fortunate to to work with teams like that who who you know kind of have my back and they support what I do. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, I am. I'm I'm very fortunate. I'm in a great position right now. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's kind of important and very important with what you said. Like, you know, you get to work with some of the best fighters in the world, you know, on a daily basis. And some of them, you know, yeah, I'm sure you've known from working at Tiger and, and you know, being in Thailand. But so I'm sure you've met some people and worked with some people that you didn't think you were going to get a chance to, you know, during this whole how this whole thing unfolded. Um, Is there anybody that you maybe hadn't worked with before? you know, you getting stuck in Vegas and everything that you've gotten the chance to work with now that like you've really become a fan of and just enjoyed coaching them? Yeah, I've enjoyed coaching. Um, I'm staying with my roommate, Sasha, fights uh, Walter Wake 
I've enjoyed helping Sasha. Um, you know, he's fighting on the 21st. I've enjoyed helping um, another person is Casey O'Neill. She fights 125 pounds um, in the UFC. Okay. And yeah, I met her in Thailand, you know, about two and a half, three years ago. And she moved out here and, and she's been out here for just under a year. So I got to reconnect with her, you know, and it's always good to reconnect with her. She's a hard worker. My buddy, Brendan, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, Lofkin, I met Brendan when I got back from Vegas last year, pre-COVID. I get back, he's there, and I meet him, and then within a week, they shut everything down. So, you know, that's that's how I developed a friendship with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, look, man, the gyms are closed. I got mats. We'll just wrestle every day, and that's what we did. We wrestled every day in my car garage where I had mats in my neighborhood in Thailand. And we did that for four months, man. And, you know, then we were in Dubai a bit. And then now we're out here and he came out here and he's finishing his camp up here. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's good to have people that, you know, previously who are out here as well as meeting new people, you know? So yeah, like I said, man, it's everything that's kind of unfolded is I believe happened for a reason. And I'm just, I'm enjoying the process and I'm enjoying the ride. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's the best thing to do is enjoy what you got when you have it because, you know, at some point things might change. Um, it's pretty interesting that you brought up Brendan because I've actually gotten the chance to talk to him. Um, I talked to him right before his fight with Tyler Diamond. Um, he has a fight coming up against an undefeated fighter. Uh, I believe you pronounce his name, Movlid Kabulev, Kabulayev, 17-0. and 0. Um you know, you've talked a little bit about what it's been like working with Brendan, you know, whether it's at Syndicate or, you know, working in Thailand. What what do you think of Brendan as a fighter and his upcoming fight and just like his overall skill set as a mixed martial artist? I think Brendan is one of the most underrated and undervalued fighters in the business, whether you look at UFC, Bellator, PFL, it doesn't matter. I think, you know, he's... I believe he's like 23 and three right now. Um, he's the number one seed. He's probably got, I believe a couple fights off his record that he's won. That's not even on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he, his, his skill set's tremendous, you know, being from England and the UK, they say, well, they can't really wrestle. Well, he can wrestle, you know, he can scramble. He can wrestle. He has really good fight IQ and his striking is, I rate his striking pretty damn high. You know, I've I've seen him spar high level guys and put it on him. Um, and I'm not just saying that because he's my my buddy, but like you know, I, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen it in Thailand and I've seen it out here. Um, he's fighting a tremendous opponent. You know, the the Dagestani guy is very good. I know him as well. He's a nice guy. Um, you know, it's going to be a great fight, but I think Brendan just gets better with time. You know, he just keeps adding stuff to his repertoire, to his arsenal. And, you know, he's really put in a great camp. He's left no stone unturned. He works his ass off day in and day out. You know, I left the gym earlier and he was just getting there as far as, he had to go home, shower, come back, and he was finishing up another session. You know, he really puts the time in, and obviously it's paying off for him. So, 
you know, I, I wish nothing but the best for Brendan. It's going to be a hard fight. They all are hard fights. There's nothing easy. But, you know, to get to the point of where he's at, he's had to fight some some, some tough, tough individuals. And, you know, he's kind of had a bad run. <laughs> you know, everybody knows about the contender series yeah. and how he, he didn't get picked for that. And, you know, a lot of people kind of wrote him off. But then he went on a seven-fight seven win streak and he – Got three, four performance bonuses out of that. He was starching people. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm very excited for, for his fight. Um, but nothing but good things to say about Brendan. He's a, he's a good friend, but he's also a great training partner. And he works his ass off. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see his next fight. And, uh, you know, he's one of my favorite fighters to watch. I mean, and, and it's kind of interesting that you brought up the Contender Series thing. Um, do you think it's, I don't want to say beneficial for him, what happened on the contender series, but like, do you think that this whole PFL tournament and him, you know, being in the yeah. PFL is kind of like, just kind of showing people like, Hey, you know, yes. they were talking shit about me before, but now I'm here and look at what I'm putting on these guys. Like nobody can handle what I'm doing. I do. I think it's great. I think, you know, he put him, you know, when he, when that decision happened, he could have kind of like, you know, shied away from it and just, you know, posted about whatever about the UFC and kind of talk shit. But, you know, he just, I think he just bit down on his mouthpiece. He knew what he needed to do and he got to work. And I think he just, he's got a chip on his shoulder and doing what he's done and, you know, beating the people he has, you know, in the fashion that he has. I think it's great for him. I think the people are really seeing like, wow, this kid can really scrap. You know, this kid brings it when he comes to fight and he's doing nothing but building his brand. His value is going up and up and up. Mm -hmm. So I do think that 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 contender thing was, of course, everybody wants, not everybody, but you know, the UFC is the pinnacle of, of, of this of this game of the, the, the MMA game, you know, whether, you know, Bellator great, but UFC really is the pinnacle of it. So I think that everybody's in a struggle to get into that, but you know, he's building his brand and he's building his worth and he's doing it through PFL. And I hope he wins a million bucks, but he's getting, he's getting paid on the way to winning or on the way to, to hopefully winning this tournament. And he's just building his brand and he's really, he's really making a name for himself in this business. So you know, like I said, I think it was a blessing in disguise because watching what I'm watching unfold, people really are starting to see this kid light people up. And it's, you know, it's, it's, I'm blessed to be part of his journey and just, just watching it firsthand. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think you couldn't have said it any better. Um, do you feel like obviously UFC is not an organization he's even thinking about right now because he's in the PFL and he's got this tournament to think about and obviously to win that million dollars. But do you think that it's inevitable that we see him make his way back to the UFC at some point? Um, you know, I think that's, that's Brendan's call. I think that's something that they'll discuss. I mean, I've never really talked to him directly about that. Um, I think there's a lot of people he wants to prove wrong. And then if it gets to that point, you know, he can make that decision. Hopefully by that point, he knows his true value. And if they do get him, they're going to have to pay for it. You know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to get his true value. And that's what I hope, you know, that's what I hope happens. Whether he decides to do that, that's his decision. You know, it's his career. Whether he stays with PFL or goes, you know, Bellator or goes back in the UFC. But, 
you know, wherever he decides, I know he'll be one of the best featherweights in whatever promotion he goes in. And I truly hope that, you know, they do see his true value and they pay him his worth because I think he brings a lot to the table, especially in the region where he's from. You know, he brings an excitement and he brings, when he comes to fight, man, he comes to fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see what's next for him. And uh, I know he's got this fight coming up. I believe it was supposed to be on the 13th, but it got moved. Was it, did it get moved a couple of weeks back? It did. It got moved to the 27th, 28th. That sounds, yeah, that sounds about right. I know it's somewhere around there, but, uh, I'm excited, you know, going up against an undefeated guy. It's just another opportunity for him to make a statement like he's been doing throughout the whole tournament. Uh, great op- go ahead. You're good. No, I said it's a great opportunity for him. You know, both two tough fighters, you know, obviously one, you know, in the, the, the area of the region of the caucus where he comes from in Dagestan, they have tremendous grappling, tremendous wrestling. Um, you know, he's one of the brothers, so I know he's going to have his um, he's going to have his skill set. And then you have Brendan, who's kind of an opposite, you know, mm-hmm. more of a striker. So it's going to make for a great fight. Um, I think that whole PFL featherweight division was, you know, loaded with some serious talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think this is probably one of, if not the most exciting tournaments that the PFL's put on. I mean, I don't really think they've had a bad night of fights throughout this whole tournament so far. Interesting fight, you know, with the Tyler Diamond was a was a hard, hard scrap. You know, Shaman Morales is a very good fighter as well, so his first round was a hard fight. You know, they did Bubba versus Lance first round. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they, Chris Wade is is a tremendous fighter. I mean, they, they do, they have some, and that's really in, in all the weight classes, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, girls division, guys division, you know, they really loaded it. And that whole idea of you got to score the points to get into the true, true tournament is, uh, that setup they have is, is very interesting. Yeah. It's, it's something we've never really seen. And, you know, it gives, it gives the fighters incentive to, you know, like you have to perform. You're not just here to win a decision like of course you can win a decision but you want to put your name out there so the, the quicker you win the fight the more points you get <laughs> absolutely i think um i think the way they set it up was great you know because it makes you really have to go and really do a lot of action in order to make it to the next round yeah uh, exactly you, you couldn't we couldn't have said it you couldn't have said it any better card all right. Well, uh, I want to ask you, you obviously, before we got cut off a little bit, we, you had mentioned that you, the fight you're the most excited for is the Rafael Fazeev and Bobby Green fight. Obviously, you've worked with Rafael out at um, Tiger Muay Thai. He's the striking coach out at Tiger Muay Thai. Um, you have a long history with him. Um, just talk a little bit about Rafael Fazeev and you know what you think about this fight with Bobby Green and just him overall as a uh, a competitor and a striker. I think Rafael, as a competitor and as a striker, is one of the best I've ever seen. Um, I think that 
not only his angles, but I think his IQ and like the combinations he can put together in the moment, you know, regardless of the range is incredible. You know, I've seen, I've seen him at Tiger fight very high level guys, light heavyweights, middleweights. It doesn't matter. I've seen him put people on skates. Mm-hmm. I've seen people like freeze up because they just, because his fakes and his feints and what he throws and how he throws and like his hooks, mm-hmm. his back hooks, you know, his kicks and how he just, he just, that leg just flies up and then he'll drop it and then he'll float. The exact same thing will come right behind it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he's in there and he's relaxed and he's moving, there's, there's not a lot of people in that division because that's a very stacked division. There's a lot of good guys. There's a lot of good strikers, you know, Brad Riddell, Dan Hooker, you know, um, you know, that list can go on and on, but the, the guys that I've like worked with and I've seen firsthand, they're mm-hmm. all great strikers. But, yeah. And I think there's just, there's just not a lot of people in that, in that division, let alone the UFC that can really match kind of like how he goes about and the excitement he brings. Because when he fights, man, I'm glued. Yeah to the TV, regardless of if any of the boys fight, I'm watching it. But like when he, when he fights, man, there's just a, there's certain roar about it that, that I really enjoy because it's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's very fun to watch and the stuff he can do, how he can go about it. You know, even this wrestling his wrestling is, is good. He's extremely athletic, you know, he moves very well. He's got great takedown defense. But you know, I've seen him, I've seen him submit people many times. You know, at Tiger in the classes. You know, so he's really great. He's really gifted, and he's just well rounded. You know, um, in any position. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's kind of interesting because like a lot of people don't know if they, if you're just like a fan of the UFC and. You're not like a hardcore fan, you know. A lot of people don't know who Fiziev is or Fiziev, and um, you know, I think that Moicano fight really kind of showed everybody like you can't like I excuse my language, but you can't fuck with this guy on the feet. If you play around, you're gonna get knocked out. Right. If you stay there and play, if you play, if you play with fire, right, you might get burned. Um, Moicano is no slouch by any means. You know, he's 45. It looked to me like he filled in the 155 pretty damn well yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And he's long and rangy. And, you know, Raphael was able to get inside. And, you know, like I, I've seen Raphael throw that back hook that ended up knocking him out with. But if you watch the video, he threw, he was orthodox. He threw a body shot and then he threw a right hook. But when he threw his, when he threw, like, when he threw, excuse me, his two. Mm hmm. He threw it and he kind of stepped, he kind of pushed him to create space and he yep. went to Southpaw. Yeah. And then he threw that left hand, but he threw it like a back hook. And that, you know, it was it was pretty high level stuff to watch, you know. And it, it has happened all within about a second and a half to two seconds, like boom, boom, boom. And that was it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, you know, again, I'm very excited for that. You know, like I said, anytime any of the boys fight, I get excited, you know, that, that I've been around. I really do get excited. But this is, you know, this is something, someone who, you know, I've seen him. You know, he was at Phuket top team, and then he came to Tiger. And, 
you know, we would kind of say hello a little bit, and then we just developed a friendship. You know, I was fortunate to go when he fought in Singapore, um, when he fought in Dubai, Mark DeCasey, and then we did quarantine together for two weeks. Our rooms were next to each other, and we would hang out, eat food, and watch wrestling on YouTube. Yeah. Um, that's what we would do, man. And we just would drink tea and we'd eat horse meat from Kazakhstan. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, like you mentioned Brad Riddell and, you know, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Just, I mean, his striking is insane. Same with Fiziev. And the one fight I've been saying I've wanted to see for like the last few months is Fiziev and Riddell. Now, I don't know if it would ever happen because they've... Well, yeah, obviously, because you've seen them train together. So I don't know if it would ever happen, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I just I, – I just happens, If that happens, I'd like it to be a title fight. Uh-huh. But – and Brad Riddell is a, another great friend, and he's another guy who his striking is something serious to watch. His striking is very dialed in, very calculated, very um, – you know, he picks and he chooses his, his shots, his head movement, his feet placement, you know, how he can get in and out of range. Like when he baits people, mm-hmm. is really something special to watch. I agree. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know you're big, you're obviously wrestling coach and, you know, a long decorated background in wrestling. Um, do you, are you kind of upset that the fight with Gregor Gillespie fell through? Because I feel like that's a fight where, you really enjoyed getting him ready for that fight just because of how much the wrestling and the takedown defense and the the sprawls and everything were such a big part of that camp because of how decorated a wrestler Gillespie is. I was very bummed for Brad. You know, I was more bummed for Brad because it was a top 15 opponent for him. It was a co-main event and... The most thing I was bummed about was it was something that was really out of his control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the things happened with the COVID and, you know, it necessarily wasn't his fault. And, you know, just kind of the way it went about and, you know, it getting canceled the morning of. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was it was very unfortunate. So that's that's why I was really bummed for him. And for New Zealand, you know, they're not like America and they're not like everywhere else in the world. You have to have a voucher system to get back into that country. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you're away from it. You know, the one time Carlos, Brad, Izzy got stuck for like six weeks in the States. And, you know, he flew all that way. Fight gets canceled. And then he has to he has to wait another week until his teammate fights, Shane. And, you know, then he goes back home two week quarantine and then he's able to get out and see his family. So that was, that was really the unfortunate part about it, man. And he wasn't able to showcase his skills, his grappling, his wrestling against a very decorated wrestler. And, you know, um, I think it would have been a phenomenal fight, a fight of the night type fight, just like his last one. Mm -hmm. But I do think they'll cross paths very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, that Gregor Gillespie versus Brad Riddell will be a fight that'll happen. Um, will happen sooner or later, whether it be this year, whether it be next year, I do think it'll happen. Yeah, I agree. I, I could, I could honestly see that being next. I mean, they both won. I mean, I could definitely see them just making that fight again, but whenever it happens, I definitely want to see it. 
Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about your experience being a coach on the ultimate fighter. Um, I'd venture to say, I think this is your first time being able to like be an assistant coach on the ultimate fighter, right? Yes, sir. Um, you know, just walk me through like a little bit, like, what did you think about working in the ultimate fighter house and getting to work with team Volkanovsky? And, you know, like if, if anyone in particular stood out to you on your team, um, who impressed you the most, would you say in your time as the assistant coach? Um, it impressed me the most. You know, we had a lot of, we had a lot of good, we had a lot of talented guys. You know, the first four fights obviously didn't go our way as everybody saw. Um, but you know, we were able to build off of that. And even those first four fights we lost, I'd like to see those guys get a rematch because I think the outcome would be much different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to say one impressed me more than others. There were some guys who, you know, um, Brian Battle, he's another North Carolina boy. He just fought the other, he just beat Andre Petrosky, a former college teammate of mine, um, this past, this past episode. Brian was, as I said, the last pick, but he was just so coachable and he listened and he just picked up things extremely fast and he stuck to the game plan. And as a coach, when somebody's coachable like that, like, you really appreciate that. And that's what Brian battle was. You know, he had great cardio. If he got taken down five times, he got up six, mm -hmm. you know, he just, he was somebody that really impressed me. Rich. I hope I say his last name, right. Uh, Raposo, mm -hmm. AKA Boston Mitch mm -hmm. was another guy who necessarily wasn't a bantamweight. He's a flyweight. He's a true flyweight, but he mm -hmm. was a bantamweight for the show. Um, He's somebody who I think could go far in, in the UFC at the right weight class if he keeps working because he picked up things very fast. He's very athletic and he cuts really good angles and he's he understands um, you know, getting getting deep like in certain scenarios, whether you gotta cover more distance, bridge the gap, stuff like that. He understood that. <laughs> And like I said, he's he's an athletic kid. He's just a raw athletic kid. Um, he's one that I really enjoyed working with. I enjoyed them all. You know, there's a kid, Dustin Lampros, who, aka Scrappy, who trains down at you know Hard or um, Sanford, who's very good. Ricky is a is a veteran. He's very good. You know, he's he's right now in the finals on the show. Um, the next kid, Bam, fights coming up. Mm -hmm. He's another kid who's who had to really had a tough fight. He fought a kid from his hometown who was the man who fought for the belt in M1 Global. Mm -hmm. He beat a lot of good guys. He's beaten a guy or two that was in the UFC. He had a lot, he had a big resume and he had a lot of pressure and, you know, ban or, you know, he went out there and Brady put on a great performance. Um, so, you know, I don't like singling anybody out. They're all good. I think they all have, they keep working. They have a lot of potential. The show was phenomenal. It was a great experience. It was, um, you know, it was the best five and a half, six weeks. It was awesome. You know, the coaching staff, even the guys on the other team, Team Ortega, you know, they were nice guys. Um, you know, they wanted to win just like we did. So when you look at it that way, you know, you could kind of understand things. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed working with the guys. You know, Ryder's a great kid. Um, Aaron from Alaska is a great kid. There's 
they all they all brought something different to the table. So you know, it was good. You had Gil, who was the third brother. He had a great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I haven't been able to watch all the episodes. Um, I did get to see the Tercios fight from last uh, like two weeks ago. And then I watched the first fight with Lampros and Murdoch, but I definitely got to catch up on it because from some of the guys that I know who've watched the show, they said it's one of the best seasons that the, that Tough has had. I appreciate that. We try to make it good for the people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Give the people what they want. <laughs> that's what you got to do, man. Give the people what they want. Um, obviously, let's talk a little bit about Volkanovski. Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, the UFC featherweight champion, you know, coming off back-to-back wins over Max Holloway. And he's got this big fight lined up with top contender Brian Ortega. Um, I've always been a huge fan of Volkanovsky, and I'm not just saying that because you've worked with him. He's just always been one of the guys. I think he's one of the smartest tacticians in mixed martial arts. Like, I've never seen – I've seen some guys who are good technically, but – I don't know if I've seen anybody who's as smart in terms of fight IQ as uh, Volkanovski is. So what do you think of this upcoming matchup with Ortega? And like, what do you think of Volkanovski and just what you've seen and how, how, like from working with him throughout his career? I think this upcoming fight um, with Ortega will be a good one. You know, anytime you fight it at this level, um, especially for a belt, it's, you know, there's two great, there's two good guys. You know, they're both obviously at the top of their division for a reason. So it's going to be an interesting fight. It'll be great to watch. Um, I think we all know how good Ortega is as far as like, you know, grappling and, and jujitsu and stuff like that. But as far as his IQ, and, you know, again, this is my opinion, as far as his IQ, compared to Volks and what he can do on his feet and how he can mix things up. I do think Volks Volk is um, ahead of him, and I think Volks is a bit ahead of his time when it comes to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great wrestler. I think he's a phenomenal striker. I think, you know, his vision, his IQ, his instincts separate him a bit, you know, from Ortega. Um Taking, not taking anything away from Ortega, but that's just my opinion. That's what I think. I think, you know, since I've worked with him, I think since I've worked with him, his um, just being able to wrestle with him and progress over the years and then watching him progress striking-wise and, and you know, like I said, how he mixes it up, it's um, there's a reason why he's at the top. You know, there's a reason why he's the champ. Um and I'm just looking forward to him, man. You know, knock on wood. I hope all goes well. I hope they're both at 100 when they fight. So it'll be it'll be a great fight for the fans. Yeah, I, I cannot wait for it. I was really kind of pissed off when the fight fell out the first time, but you know that's out of everybody's control. You know, it is what it is. But I'm really excited that they got it rebooked and that it's just about you know a month away before we get to see it go down. Yeah, it comes up on the September 25th um, in Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. That'll be an, that'll be an exciting fight. Yeah, I, I can't wait for it. I'm really, really excited to see it go down. Um, you know, I know. Obviously, we've talked about wrestling and everything. Um, who do you feel is the most? I guess you could say effective slash efficient wrestler that you've ever worked with. It could be somebody you've trained. 
It could be somebody you've gotten to wrestle yourself, like just, you know, in general, who do you think is one of the most effective wrestlers you've ever had the chance to work with? Are you talking about like in MMA or just wrestling in general? Um, you could give me one of each, but, um, yeah, you could give me one of each if you have multiple in mind. Probably in general, David Taylor or Kyle Dake. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Dake's been a wrestle for third in the Olympics. David Taylor just won less than 12 hours ago. He won an Olympic title, his first Olympic title. Um, as far as raw wrestling, those two. Wrestling for MMA... Um, one of one of the best guys that I've um, that I've actually wrestled with is he is the, the new current Bellator champ at 170 pounds. You, you know his name? Uh, I think you said 170 pounds. Amazov. Oh, okay. No, I haven't. I know his name, but I have not seen him compete. So, tell me a little bit about Amazov. I just think he comes from a Samoa background, but I just think Amosov, the stuff he can do, just his raw athletic ability is incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not only to watch, but to actually like wrestle him, the stuff he can do, how he can, you know, you feel like you're getting behind him, and then before you know it, your feet are directly over your head, and you're going to your back, and you know. His scrambling abilities, his mat awareness, you know, for MMA is what I'm talking about, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. is, I, in my opinion, you know, the best guy that I've wrestled with for MMA. I think Volk's up there for sure. I think Israel's got great wrestling, mm-hmm. you know, it's very underrated from what people have seen because he doesn't need it much because he's got great defense. But that, I think Brad Bedell has phenomenal wrestling. I think Peter Yawn athletically and what he can do in his wrestling is tremendous. And you saw that from his fight with Sterling, Yep. you know, he got seven out of seven takedowns and he stopped. He only gave up one out of like 13 was the stats, I believe. So, yep. and this is coming from somebody who didn't wrestle growing up, you know, yeah. Algernon Sterling, you know, was a collegiate all American at Cortland university and you know taking nothing away from him but again just you know wrestling peter at tiger and watching what he can do and how he's developed you know he's he's another one that that's good but you know to answer your question i know i went on a bit of a rant there you know i'm was off um he's from ukraine he's probably the best wrestler for mma that i've ever had the privilege of of um competing against yeah, I'm definitely going to have to, like I said, I know of him. I know he's the champ, but I'm going to have to research and study up on some of his fights because that seems pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, he's the champ for a reason. Yeah, he's 25 and 0. You know, he beat, he beat Douglas Lima, who I'm a tremendous fan of, mm-hmm. have a lot of respect for. Um, you know, and he's 25 and 0 for a reason. And to get there, you know, he beat Ed Ruth, who's a three-time division, who's a four-time All-American, three-time national champ from Penn State. You know, one of the best to ever do it. He beat Logan Storley, 
who's a four-time All-American from the University of Minnesota. And then, you know, he beat Lima. But he beat two very, very, very decorated Division One wrestlers on the way to winning that. And um, just seeing that was very, you know, was very impressive to me. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to go look up some of his fights when we're done with this interview because uh, to be 25-0, and 0, I mean, there's no there's no joke in any of that. And to be that at the that's highest cool. level, it's it's – that's insane. Um, let me talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, we, we, we talked about wrestling and everything, and I want to talk a little bit about setups. What do you feel is the most effective takedown or takedown setup when it comes to fighting in mixed martial arts? Is there any one particular way to take somebody down, whether it's a single, a double, a body lock, trips? What do you think is the most effective avenue to take for like takedowns and takedown setups in mixed martial arts uh, i guess it depends on your style you know everybody's different you know khabib used to hit his knee he would penetrate and hit his knee um and you know push you on the cage which was impressive um gregor gillespie does like a snatch single from the head inside position so he'll, he'll snatch a single leg with his head on the inside he doesn't hit his knee. Um, some people mix up and, you know, get to a head outside single. Some people go to a single leg and then switch right to a body lock. Some mm -hmm. people put you on the cage and try to lift you. Some people drag your back leg out and pull you off the cage and get you down like that. Um, everybody's different with their setups, you know what I mean? Um, whether it's, you know, some people will walk forward, they'll let you shoot on them. Then they'll put you in a front headlock, and they'll make you work, and then they'll get behind you that way, or they'll take you down from a from a defensive position. You know, so everybody has their own type of setups. You know, there's there's no to answer your question. There's really no best way, in my opinion. It's how you mix it up and how right. you go about doing it all. You know, look at Zabit. Zabit does that thing where he he kind of like shuffles off his back foot and like trips you, mm -hmm. like, you know, throws that lead hand, hits you in the chest, like as a clothesline yep. and trips you over his foot. You know, everybody has their own creative ways of doing things and how they go about it. Um, it's really just what works best for you. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting. And yeah, you've, we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, since Khabib has, you know, obviously done what he's done, probably one of the most effective, probably the most dominant wrestler in mixed martial arts. I mean, retired undefeated. And once he got a hold of you, I mean, it was pretty much over, but, um, you know, it's interesting what you said about the Zabit takedown, because I'm pretty sure didn't Peter Yan do that same takedown to Aljamain? A couple times, I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, uh, that, that really kind of, that really surprised me, honestly, the whole, the whole like wrestling, dominance that Jan showed over Eljamain because like I thought he was going to win the fight. I thought he just wasn't going to get taken down and then just outstrike him. But not only did he outstrike him, he outwrestled him and he pretty much made it look easy. I mean, to be honest, I'm a huge Peter Jan fan, but like when I saw him stopping takedowns and getting his own takedowns, it really didn't surprise me too much because I know what Peter Young's capable of. Mm -hmm. I know how athletic and how raw he really is with his wrestling. You know, like I, I told people, you know, when it comes to shooting a high crotch, 
he shoots a high crotch better than 80% of the guys I wrestled with in college. And, you know, and I'm not exaggerating that he, he has great offense and he's tricky and he's slick with the stuff he can do. And you show him, you show him one thing, you maybe have to show him twice. And after that, you don't have to show him again because he puts that in his bank. He puts it in his memory bank and he knows, he knows how to do it. And that, to me, that's very impressive on how he can just pick up on things so easy. That's, uh, yeah, it's, he seems like, I mean, he's probably my favorite fighter on the entire roster of uh, the UFC guys, but he seems like just somebody who, he's good everywhere. Like, there's really nothing that you can do to him that I feel like he hasn't already seen and done a million times. I agree. I think, um, you know, where he comes from, he does heaps and heaps and heaps of wrestling. So he's seen a lot of different styles of wrestling. You know, before his one camp, he was out in Chechnya. He was in Grozny for two and a half weeks. He was in Dagestan. He was wrestling. So, you know, he wrestles with the best guys in the world. The best guys in the world live over in that area. I, uh, I will obviously anything coming out of Dagestan, pretty much if you're from Dagestan or Russia or anything like that, you're, you're going to be a good wrestler. I mean, that's kind of just in their blood when they compete. Like if you come out of Dagestan, you have a good wrestling foundation. They come from like a wrestling Sambo type background. Yeah. It's like, it's in their blood. It's kind of ingrained in them. They, they do it from a very young age. It's crazy because, like, I mean, like you said, like Jan, he didn't wrestle in school. He didn't wrestle in college. He didn't have a wrestling background. But, you know, he just kind of dominated somebody who had a decorated background in wrestling. And it just goes to show, like, you know, even if you don't know these guys before they get to the UFC, you know, they're putting in more work than half the guys out here. Yes, sir. All right. So, um. I mean, we've, we've talked about Jan, we've talked about Fiziv, we've talked about Riddell, we've talked about Volkanovsky, we've talked about a lot of guys that you've worked with who are currently competing at the highest level. Um, you know, give me some more of your thoughts on the Jan and Sterling matchup coming up on the 30th. I know we just talked about it a little bit off the, off the recording, but just give me a brief, like, rundown of what you think is going to go down in this rematch? Um, what I think is going to happen in the rematch will be a high pace, high volume type of fight. You know, whether or not Aljamain has made adjustments to his wrestling offense or defense. Um, but you know, I anticipate, like I said, a high pace, high volume. I think Peter Yon will probably have his foot on the gas. He'll probably be moving forward. Um, and I think he'll probably have bad intentions on how, you know, he wants to go about finishing the fight. And I know Sterling probably has his intentions on how he wants to go about the fight. So it's going to be, an, uh, I think it's going to be a great a great rematch, but I just see, in my opinion, Peter Yan, you know, walking away with with the the bantamweight belt. 
Um, and, you know, anything can happen in this sport, but I just don't think – I think that loss really motivated him. I think he's definitely focused 100% of his attention on this rematch. And, you know, Peter Yawn, when he's firing on all, on all cylinders, is the best, not only in that division – but I think he's one of the best in the UFC period. Yep. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better. There's really nothing else I could put on that that would, you know, do it any more justice than what you just said. Um, you know, another fight uh, with somebody I know you've worked with because you have your affiliation with City Kickboxing and all of those guys. A big fight just got announced at 125 pounds. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Um, Cody Garbrandt is going to be dropping down to 125 to take on Kaikara France, who obviously, yep, yep, dope. That's gonna be a good fight. Yeah, I just give me your thoughts on that matchup and like what you think. I think it's probably gonna be one of the best flyweight fights we've ever seen. I was a huge fan of Kai on the Ultimate Fighter, and I'm a huge fan of Garbrandt as well. So like getting to see these guys, you know, mix it up. I believe it's in December. Um, I I I don't know. I can't wait for it. I'm really excited for that one. I haven't, um, I know it just got announced the other day, so I was very excited for him because, you know, for Kai, that is a big, that's a big, a big name for him, a former champ. So even though it is his first time coming down to 125, you know, um, I think it's a great opportunity for Ty or for Kai to really showcase his skills, show what he's capable of, show that he does belong in the top of the division. You know, because he fought Moreno. He lost to Moreno back in December of 2019. But, you know, that was a very, you know, that was a, that was a, that was a hard fight for both guys. You know, I know Moreno won that, but it was a hard fight for both guys. And, you know, Ty's fought, or excuse me, Ty's fought some of the best in that division. So it's going to be a fight, you know, both guys really like to throw big shots. And they're both athletic. You know, they both they both know how to wrestle. So when you kinda of put all that stuff together, you're in for you're in for a treat. Yeah, I I can't wait. That's uh it's a tough fight for Garbrandt to come in his first fight to drop down to one twenty five. And you know, I know there's a lot of guys who are fans or a lot of fans who know Kai Car France from City Kickboxing, but I don't think people really understand how hard of a fight that is for Garbrandt in his first fight at 125? It's a very difficult fight. Um, anytime you come down to another weight class, you know, it's it's a hard fight. But to be given a top top five, top six opponent right away is um, is good. But it's also, a, it's also a testament of how good, you know, Garbrandt really is. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that one in December. Me too, man. Me too. Um... You know, we kind of talked a little bit about wrestling and, and everything and takedowns. And one thing I kind of wanted to touch on with you, which I'm sure it's a question you might get a lot, but, you know, you've seen guys who have a base in wrestling and then they make the transition over to mixed martial arts. And then you see some guys like Peter Yan, which obviously he's worked in wrestling before, but he didn't have a, like a, a, a high school or a collegiate background in wrestling. Do you feel like it's better? or more beneficial for a fighter to have a base in wrestling and transition to mixed martial arts or for a fighter to 
learn his wrestling and his defense through the training in mixed martial arts without any previous background? Um, that's a, that's a tough decision. I think in America, Russia, that you obviously learn a base of wrestling in New Zealand, Australia, you come of a more of a, a striking base, you know, so one kind of goes with the other. Me being that I come from wrestling, I would much rather have a wrestling background as like my base and then learning, you know, the striking and that. But, you know, look at an example of Volk and look at the guys that, you know, city kickboxing, they come from tremendous striking background, but their wrestling development over the years has been tremendous and has been on point with everything they've done. And, you know, Andre Paulette, the Romanian, does a great job, phenomenal job of wrestling over there. And, you know, their defense has gotten better. But not only now defense, but if you saw Brad's last fight, he was also hitting takedowns. So yep. the offense has come a long way as well. Yeah, I uh, I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, MMA and, and like, setups in – I feel like the sport is so much more based – on the technical standpoint than it was before. I mean, it always was about being a technician or, you know, being good at, in the technique that you throw in and being, you know, comfortable with it. But, you know, in recent years, like just the technical level of fights has gone up so much. And I think a perfect example of that is obviously the guys you work with. And then what the fight that just happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago between Sandhagen and Dillashaw, like, that's probably one of the most high-level fights that's ever taken place in mixed martial arts. Very, very, very good fight. Tremendous fight. Who do you think won? You don't have to tell me, but who do you think won? Well, you just asked me who I thought won. Um, I thought... I thought Sanhagen did more damage. Um, I do... I think Sanhagen did more damage. I think he landed more shots. I think even the statistics said mm-hmm. he landed more shots. So a bit confusing on how it went about that way. Regardless, I do think it was a split decision. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so a split decision can go either way. You know, obviously out of the three judges, two think for one, and one one guy thought somebody else won. So whenever you're dealing with a split, it can go either way. But I thought San Hagen did a great job of controlling the distance and used his lankiness really well. You know, he gave up some takedowns, but if you watch, as soon as Dillashaw took his back, he wasn't fighting his hands. He kind of just like laid his hands out, let him take his back. And then he got out of it. Um, So, you know, but again, you know, that was such a close fight. You know, if you rewatch it again, you'll see the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you could go back and forth on who you thought won that fight, but that fight was more for the fans. You know, it was everything and then some of what we really thought was going to happen. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I think it's fight of the year so far. Um, I I definitely think it's one of the most technical fights we've ever seen, and I don't think I don't see how any fan could dislike that fight. <laughs> hard fight to dislike really i mean it was action-packed from the get-go 
Yeah, yeah. There was never a dull moment in that fight. I mean, even with the wrestling, like, I mean, it started off with Sandhagen freaking throwing a flying knee and catching TJ in an inverted triangle. Like, I don't think you'll get that in the beginning of a fight anywhere else. <laughs> and then from there, from there, it just kept escalating and just kept kicking off. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree with you. I thought Sandhagen won the fight three rounds to two, but again, it was so close. Like, I wasn't mad either way the decision was going to go. I'll tell you who wasn't happy about that decision, my parlay. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> one of my friends was running a parlay, and I think I'm trying to remember the other people on the card, but I had Maverick. I had Sandhagen and I had one other person on the card who uh, I can't think of their name. Uh, what what were some other fights on the card that night? That was like Kyler Phillips, Kyler Phillips right? There was uh, yeah. So I told them to to do like Phillips, Miranda Maverick, and Sandhagen, <laughs> and I was like, dude, <laughs> trust me, that should have been right. Yeah, that was um that night was a uh, several people have said that you know my roommate and I watched that we watched all the fights and it was uh we thought the officiating was a bit dodgy on those but you know you can't really leave it in the judges' hands you know I think those guys do have a hard job when it comes to judging fights. Mm -hmm. I think we need to address how they go about judging the fights and fixing the criteria stuff like that. But nonetheless, when you have fights like that and they're all split. You know, obviously they're 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 great fights to begin with. Yeah, that Kyler Phillips uh Howley and Paiva fight, I, I honestly can't believe that Paiva was able to come back the way that he did after the way that first round went. Because I mean that was that was a ten eight if I've ever seen one. I mean he dropped him multiple times, he hurt him, and then obviously the fight got closer the longer it went, but it was kind of crazy to see Paiva come back the way that he did. He's a very tough kid. Even coming up a weight class, you know, from from flyweight to that band of weight is his first time was a was a great match, great fight. Yeah, that, all the fights that night were great. Even if I don't agree with some of the decisions, you know, like you said, um, there wasn't a bad fight on that card. Everything was great. Um, I got one final question for you, and it, it kind of goes off of your catchphrase. Um, your catchphrase is take the long way home, shortcuts, rip apart dreams. Uh, what does that mean to you? And why is it so important to live by that moniker? Well, I think in, in life in general, but especially in the sport of MMA, there's so much, there's so many different arts that like go into MMA, you know, <clears throat> it's boxing and it's wrestling, it's jujitsu, it's kickboxing, it's, Sometimes you got judo, you know, there's just, there, there's so many different arts that go into, you know, MMA that, you know, there's S&C, there's recovery, there's watching film, you know, there's nutrition. <clears throat> when you get into talking about nutrition and stuff, that's a whole different ballgame. So all that stuff plays, plays a role in everything and, and, you know, film study. So when you have all that stuff, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to cover all the, the bases. It's not, it's not just boxing. It's not just 
wrestling. It's not just jujitsu. You have to do all that stuff. And when you when you line it all up, you know, you really got to take advantage of covering all the bases of it, of doing everything and, and not really skipping a beat on anything. You know, you know, back when before the UFC was big, you could get away with just wrestling and having a good jab, or you could get away with kickboxing and not having the best defense. But you know, as the game evolves and the game progresses so does the fighter so do the athletes you know and and you know now so does the nutrition and everything that goes into it so Mm -hmm. you know you have to be able to to go about everything and there really isn't any shortcuts in this game you know look at the best guys you know the best guys in the world are at the top for a reason you know whether it's physical or whether it's mental you know they they deep, they dive deep into themselves. Like, look at Tom Brady, for example. My roommate and I chatted about this earlier. Tom Brady spends LeBron James. They spend millions of dollars a year on their bodies, on their self care. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's like those hyper chambers they talk about, the oxygen stuff, or whether it's you know physio, or whether it's you know recovery stuff, whirlpools, ice baths, saunas, restriction stuff, breathing instruments. You know, they, they're always looking for an edge. And, you know, as so, you know, if you want to stay at the top and you want to be at the position where you are, you know, it's going to take a lot of that stuff. And, you know, as the game just gets more and more, everything, you know, you see all kinds of new stuff that they come out with that is going to help you evolve, help you progress. You got to be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, I uh, I really like that catchphrase. I uh I think it's important not just in MMA but in life. You know, people who tend to take shortcuts, they almost kind of sell themselves short. Because if you take the long way and and you work hard, eventually it might take a while, but you'll get to where you want to be. Right. Obviously, anything in life doesn't happen overnight. Like, you know, you look at anything sports, entrepreneurs or whatever it is, people who, you know, write books, you read their books. Like, nothing happened overnight. Like, it took – may take – years may take you know decades may take you know longer than that but eventually if you stick to it like good things come from it and that's how the sport is you know if you know some people start out as an amateur 0 and 2 or 0 and 3 and then they go on a run like look at charles Oliveira. yeah before he went 8 and 0 and won that won everything you know his back was against the wall and i'm sure he thought about throwing in the towel but he did and he stuck with it you know maybe changed a couple things up but he ended up prevailing, and now he's the, you know, he's the lightweight champ, fighting probably Poirier for the belt. So that'll be an interesting fight in itself. But, um, yeah, <clears throat> especially in the sport that you're in for MMA, you know, it's not like anything else. You know, baseball, or football, or basketball, whatever. Obviously, those athletes are tremendous in theirs, but there's so much stuff that goes into the sport that you know we watch and that these guys go out there and perform. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 the most intricate, you know, combat sport in the world. It mixes everything together, so you can't really take any shortcuts because if you take a shortcut, you know, it, it's you're going to end up paying for it eventually. Did you get one of the t-shirts? Are you talking to me? Yeah, the Hickman Bros t-shirts. Yes, sir, off the Engage website. I did not. I I just found out about your um 
like the partnership because I was doing some research, but um, I do have some stuff from Engage, so I will definitely pick up one of those shirts. One of the best brands in the game, brother. Yeah, I have uh, I have a pair of their shorts, and then I'm pretty sure I got a uh, a Volk. There's a Volkanovski t-shirt that they made, and then a uh, a Riddell t-shirt. I got both of them. The Quake. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you kind of covered everything I wanted to ask you. And, um, I just wanted to say, like, I really appreciate you coming on this podcast for this interview and giving me the time to talk to you about your career and the guys that you've worked with. Um, I hope you enjoyed it and, uh, I hope you enjoyed the chat. I did. I appreciate you having me on, sir. Um, I do appreciate the questions and stuff and the research you did and everything, um, and let me tell my story a bit. So, yes, sir. Thank you. No problem. No problem. It's my pleasure. Um, where can people get a hold of you if they want to check out, you know, Hickman Bros Wrestling? If they want to get a hold of you, where where can they look you up? So, my brother and I have an Instagram page, uh, Hickman Bros uh, Wrestling and MMA. We have a we have an Instagram page. We have a Facebook page. And then, of course, my brother is uh, Hick one on Instagram, and I'm G-I-F-I-910 on Instagram. And usually, that's where that's where you can contact us at. Um, any questions, concerns, techniques, or anything like that. Right, and uh, I, you know, definitely get a hold of the Hickman Bros if you want to, you know, chat with them or work on your wrestling or ask them any questions. Um, like I said, thank you. Frank for, you know, giving me the chance to do this interview. And I hope it's one of the best interviews you've done. Cause that's my goal with everyone that I do. Yes, sir. It's definitely one of the best, definitely one of the longest as well. But <laughs> I don't mind a good chat. Like I told you. Yeah. I go on for days, so thank you. Thank you for having me on. Me too. And thank you for coming on Frank. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Yes, sir. Have a good one. You too.